Construction Champions, it's your host, Ron Newsbaum, and we're here for another amazing episode of Construction Champions Podcast, where we're burning down the house and we're rebuilding it. We're bringing out the bulldozers and we're just bulldozing the house to the ground. As you guys know, I'm playing around with both of those. I still like the fire one. I like when we talk about burning it down because that's how we rebuild it. And become the construction champions we were meant to be. I'm super excited for today's episode. Kean, it is great to have you here today. Thanks for having me on, Ron. I am excited to have this conversation with you. Kean is a rock star, entrepreneur, leader. See some awards sitting behind him. I'm sure he might dive into some of that. I don't know. But Kean, why don't you tell all the construction champions out there a little bit about yourself? So um, I'm the CEO of a company called Quantum Contract Solutions. So we're essentially contracts is a big thing in construction, signing contracts, not reading the contracts you're signing, like like you're taking the the terms and conditions box on on Facebook and getting yourself in trouble because of that. And so a long time ago, the access to that expertise and skill set was reserved for the big construction companies. You can pay lawyers lots of and lots of money. Um, and what we do is essentially give smaller construction companies access to top tier help to negotiate a much better contract, to manage your contract in a post contract award phase so that you get your changes approved, you get your delays approved, and you don't get yourself into disputes. Um, and so it's different in that we're fully online and we are a lot more cost effective than our competitors who would be lawyers and contract people. Um, and frankly, our people are the guys that get their hands dirty, not the construction companies that have never seen a construction site in their life, which I'm sure you know plenty of. <laughs> No, I love that, that you guys you, that understand this stuff from the granular level, not from just a law perspective, just from a construction perspective, which is what lacks so often in our industry, because let's face it, there's a lot of different angles where people can come in and do a bunch of different stuff and make a lot of money, but they've never been out there. So there's still a lot of room for error. It doesn't best serve uh, the end contractor and builder. So I love that you guys are the ones that got your hands dirty. You understand the terminology and it's not like just going and hiring a lawyer that's looking over something and here you go. It's a lot more personal. Lawyer doesn't, lawyer, like, lawyers don't understand what a scaffolder does, what a civil company does, you know, specifically, you know, digging trenches if you're an electrical company and pulling cable and, you're a fabricator, all of that. So like, sometimes you get a contract and half it doesn't matter because half it doesn't apply to you. So there's no point in negotiating some of it that doesn't literally doesn't apply to the thing that you're doing. And then on the other side, there's some stuff that's really important specifically to the trade that you have. Mm. So it's, it is different and you need and you need to have that construction understanding of what actually happens on site. Awesome, man. I love it. So let's jump right in. I'm going to ask the million dollar question. And that is what makes a construction champion? So for, for me, 
my analogy is that the sub-trades in construction, the subcontractors are the champions. And and give, let me give you a reasoning why. It's because they're like the bees of the construction industry, right? The bees go, you kill off all the bees, apparently we all die. I think Einstein said that years ago because there's a knock-on effect. The thing is that subcontractors are the guys that actually do the construction work. You got your general contractors, you got your bigger companies, they get finance from a bank, they win a big project, and then they subcontract out all the work. More often than not, they don't do any sort of construction. They're more like a finance company. And so the subcontractors, the guys that actually do the thing, the guys that dig the holes that, that you know, do what, what did you say? Uh, demolish, demolish houses, they rebuild Burn them, the house what? down. Burn the house down. They're the guys that actually get onto site, get their hands dirty. And so for me, if you're a person on site or, and a lot, do you know what? For me, it's the owners of those companies that are champions because no other, no other industry has the leaders of those companies who have risen more often than not from being a tradesperson to starting your own business to growing their own business. More often than not, these people have been on site and, and literally gotten their hands dirty. I love it because what you just said is so true. And it's one of the only industries where you can't necessarily, I mean, it happens, but like just buy yourself into a position like it, it takes it takes an understanding and a lot of doing and a lot of these guys that own these companies and run them i know a lot of the construction champions that listen out there you know they started the same place like i just as a laborer out in the field and fell in love with it and decided this is what they wanted to go do and then next thing you know they had their own business and they all the backbone of the entire that, that, that was that was me. That um, at at thirteen, um, my father felt that I needed a bit of, bit of hard work, a bit of toughening up. And it's obviously it's a different time now. I'm not sure you'd get away with that now. But he sent me and my cousin to a building site, uh, in Portleash in Ireland, and it, they were build, building a cinema, which which is really nice when I go back and have a look and look at the cinema now. It looks old and stuff. I'm like, oh well, yeah, I'm getting old, but, um. A week later, he drove by to see how we were going and he looked in and he saw myself and my cousin both driving dump trucks around the place, <laughs> uh, moving stuff from here to there at 13. So at that stage, we were like, this is good. And we also got, you know, a, a bit of money in our pocket um, for we used to go away on holiday every year. And he used to say, I'll take you, but I'm not spending a dime on you when you're there you got to earn your own money so if you want to spend stuff you want to buy stuff you got you got to do it yourself so we'd have a not a lot of money they didn't pay us obviously a fair wage they paid us child labor wages but when we got there it was nice to have a bit of money to you know buy a t-shirt or buy whatever it was it was it was a nice feeling it was a nice reward to uh you know, you put, we put in the sacrifice, which we enjoyed. We were driving around stuff, and then we got to spend a bit of money. It was it was a nice entrance into the industry. That's kind of how it just works. I can 100% relate with that. And yeah, I don't know if you can get away with that kind of stuff today or not. But I remember my dad dropping me off at his buddies where they were building a just huge uh, strip malls. And 
he dropped me off there because he, he just the guy just needed somebody to just do miscellaneous crap all day long. So I'd be sweeping stuff, cleaning stuff up, doing just all day. Like that was my dad was like, Hey, I got you a gig. I don't know what it's gonna pay, but I'm gonna drop you off super early in the morning and then I'll come get you whenever he says you're done. <laughs> that was it. That was it. That was it. I'm like going in. I remember we had a next door neighbor and he'd just be smoking like a trooper, right? All the way in and we were just like, oh, well, what's going on here? And, you know, it was interesting. So for those for those champions, those guys out there that are doing it, how how can we best support them? I mean, with what you do, with how just as an industry, mm. how do we help those guys get to where they need to be? So what the, the one big problem I, I see a lot with the companies that we deal with. I'm not going to go specific into contracts um, themselves, but is that we have that story, the story that we've just both told. And this, the, the guy has, or the person has started off and he's, he's started as a laborer, whatever, or maybe he was, I don't know, a, whatever he electrician and he starts his own business and then because he's good at what he does he kind of gets himself a good reputation for being good he's good at delivering projects and he does a good job and the business grows kind of by default because of his reputation for being good and you know where it gets out there and he grows that's kind of the story of most construction companies grow and then they grow and they grow and then what happens is you move from being in construction to being in the business of construction. And that's different. And it's different in that you need different people in the organization. You need different skill sets in the organization. And as you grow as a company, you all of a sudden, and that's obviously a, a, a famous phrase, is what, what got you here won't get you there. And so continuing to do the same thing no longer works because of the sophistication of the business that has happened by default. And so a lot of people get stuck at that point. And so at that point, working harder doesn't, doesn't, doesn't do it. And so people in like, we, like we just talked about working hard has been the solution to all problems in the past. And so a lot of these guys will, you know, if you're they'll go right, I'll just go back on the site and I'll pick up the tools again and I'll start working hard again doesn't doesn't move the business forward at all and so when you get to that stage that's where i see the biggest problem for these guys they don't take that next leap in the in the in the scaling of the growing of their construction company whether that be all of a sudden you need a better financial system you need uh, you need a, a, a what you need a, a customer relationship tool uh, you need a contracts function, which is, I guess, which, where, where we help. You need all of these other different things that start to come into the business. And then you got to manage all of this. And then all of a sudden, I and mean, then from a high level, let's just say, let's go back to the, the, to the, the original level. The level one is you need to have the skills to be able to do the thing that you do. The next thing is you're going to hire people. And so how do you make sure that they're good and they're doing it to the standard that you used to do it? And so that that's all about character traits. That's about developing new character traits to be able to lead people 
to do what you did. And that's another skill set that a lot of people don't have. Right. And again, they just default back into working hard and follow me. This is exactly how I do it. And that that doesn't work. So typically that is the biggest problem that stops construction companies growing. And, you know, why, why bother growing? Well, for me, it's, you know, if you're champion of, of construction, we want you to be making a bigger impact, helping more people. If you're good at what you do, why would you just, you know, why would you just be good to like a tiny few people? Why don't you be good to a lot of people? I, I agree with that, that uh, I say it on here all the time is that just we're naturally inherent fixers like that's why we're in the why we're builders or contractors or uh, just in construction, because it's one place where you can go in, and you can learn how to fix stuff. And we don't necessarily apply that the best to the business aspect. We just treat it too much like it's a job site a lot of times and we just don't treat it like it's a business. That's and that's that's it in in a nutshell. I mean, the the there's two sides of construction really, if you want to think about it. And there's the constructing side of constructing, the building side, and then there's the money side. And so, there's no point. And I'm sure a, a lot of people listening today will. There's no point going aside doing some work and not getting paid for it, right? That that just doesn't work. That that's that cycle doesn't work or it can only work for so long. So if you don't know how to do work, be asked to do additional work, then do the paperwork to make sure that you get paid for that additional work is really important. A lot of times these companies will turn around and say to you like a massive amount. I mean, it, it's I, I, like, I, like I, I can give you some terrible examples, but you'll do work essentially for free you'll go and try and claim for that work and then they'll reject it on a contractual basis you've not submitted your notice or your change within the time frame therefore you've taken that on and so a lot of construction companies will will do work for free and what happens in that those scenarios is the cash flow gets restricted and so in construction, most people think, you know, if people go out of business, the, the statistics in construction, it's such a risky business. Obviously, there's so many variables. There's materials, there is people, there's weather, there's whatever, right? Accidents, loads of stuff can happen. It's a very risky industry fact, right? At 26% of all insolvencies, all insolvencies come from the construction industry. So knowing that, You've got to be able to handle the risk that comes with that. And ultimately, it's having the sophistication. So a lot of people think that construction companies, when you go out of business, you go boom, you go bang, you're out of business. It's a, it's a, it's an event, but it actually is an event. It's, it's more of a process where your cash flow gets massively restricted over time until you choke out. And so um, I heard um a, a guy, a book that we were sharing before this, a guy say that businesses um, don't die of um, starvation, they die of indigestion. Hmm. It's amazing when you when you talk about that. So I, I'm in a lot of different Facebook groups for construction. I'm sure you are as well. But I hear I, I read these stories so many times of not even just like big jobs but big jobs for the company or for the guy that's doing them where they don't get a contract, they don't get this stuff in terms or the project changes 
and they don't do anything about it. And then at the end of the day, they're just left high and dry. And whether it's right, wrong, or indifference, that or indifferent, like that's what happens because they didn't take the time to do that paperwork or just to get the everything lined up so they get paid or at least have a defense. A hundred percent. And so structurally in the business, again, this is the same symptom of what we're talking about before. What people will do is they'll have their project manager on site. And as a side hustle to getting stuff done on his day-to-day job, his side hustle is to do all the paperwork, which typically leads to disaster because it's a, it's an afterthought. It's more important to get on site and fix the latest problem that he's encountered rather than filling out the paperwork, submitting it, getting it approved, getting costs put, put to it, all of that sort of stuff it takes time. Um, and it, it's unfortunately, it's not something that you can wait until the end to do. Um, I mean, that's why in a lot of these contracts, they have notification periods. And the reason they have it is, and you can understand if you're the owner of the project, the last thing you want is at the end of the project, all of these changes and delays coming in. And one fails for you. But if you think of your, your, your plan, your schedule, hey, it's all going fine. It's all going fine. And bang, goes out of control. Right. So they put in these notification clauses or sections in the contract to make sure that you let them know when there's been a delay. You let them know when there's been a change so they can update their budget and update, update their forecast so they, they can accurately predict. That's the reason it's in there. But now in the in the contracts world, if you don't do that, then they don't pay you. And they use it as a tool not to pay you to save money. And and uh, the reason I know this is because I was a consultant advising large construction companies on how to do this. I was on the dark side, essentially. <laughs> it's uh, I love the I love the word uh, afterthought that you throw out because there's so much in the construction industry that really is like we it's an afterthought. Like we just grab the broom and the dustpan real quick here to clean this up and. Hopefully it gets, you know, everything's all good because it is this afterthought of a lot of stuff, not just the paperwork, but just because and I think it's just the nature of we try to take all this stuff on when like you had you referenced earlier about hiring people, find it like the team, like you're going to have to do this stuff and that can't be an afterthought because if it's an afterthought, I'm a big component of that. We reactively do stuff or we pre proactively do stuff. We don't reactively do it in the construction industry all too often. We're just reactive. We are. And and the type of person that you have in the construction industry is like, is, is typically a, a, a guy that is just very capable, right? I can do this myself. I've, and then, in the past has been rewarded for doing that sort of stuff. I'll do it. I'll do it. And every time I've done it, it's worked out for me because I, you know, I, I'm the only guy that can do this properly. And then, so as you grow in the construction industry, you can't do that anymore. You just can't. And so moving to becoming, right. You, you can move to become a manager where you just tell people what to do, right. But moving to be a leader in the industry, in your, in your company where people follow you and people want to emulate what you're doing is kind of what you want to do. You want people to drive themselves to to hit that standard rather than being told, here's the standard you need to hit. 
There's a subtle difference in that, but that's kind of leadership in in a nutshell. So how many people are following you um, rather than how many people are you managing? Yeah, we know how it goes a lot of time on the job site. And uh, that that's, that's it's a great way to look at things because we are just very capable and we're always rewarded for that. It is an industry that where we reward you for just being the guy that gets shit done. And that will only get you so far before it starts to become an issue. And it's hard because it's, it's, it's almost not fair because you're, you're putting in the effort. And so the effort is just in the wrong places now. Um, and so, you know, instead of spending your time, you know, doing the work, it's spending your time developing training plans for your key people. It's, it's, it's having incentive plans. It's, it's designing systems and processes for your company, which is different to what you've been doing. It's a different, it's a different hard, right? The original hard was, you know, hard physically almost, but now the hard is, oh, I have to do all of this kind of business stuff. That's the hard stuff. And sometimes you can just put your hands up and say, you know what? That's, that's just not me. And that's fine. There's a lot of really, smart CEOs I I believe the the Shopify CEO um sorry not the shot the Shopify founder so everyone knows most people know Shopify at this stage a mm-hmm. huge internet company does he's not the CEO he works he's the head of product because he's like well can't do that leading stuff just it's not it's not me um and I couldn't be bothered doing all the 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 stuff that goes with that and so I'm just going to concentrate on this part of my business and that's a totally fine solution too but you just got to recognize that within yourself. If you can't do that, it needs to be done in the company, regardless of whether you want, want to do it or not. And so how can you get it done? And yeah. as an entrepreneur, the asking yourself that question, how can I do this, is 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 a great question. So, Yeah, I mean, I can totally relate with being that guy that I, I can look back and I remember my transition from being that person that just gets everything done to moving into that leadership role and wrapping my mind around this. It came with reading a lot of books and having an understanding. Uh, Matt Hancock, who was on here a few episodes ago, and he talked about leaving your boots at home. And I, re- I because I used to be the guy that I knew what I needed to get done. And then once I had that done, I would be like, well, I would just because you got like a checklist of issues that's happening out in the field. And I'd just be like, here's the biggest one. I'm just going to go handle this on my way home. And I'd just be like, hey, guys, I'll be out there at this time. We'll get it done. Just do whatever you can to get around it. And then I'll handle it when I get there. And it wasn't until I just started or just stopped. It wasn't stopped. I just started stopping that there was started to become progress. Where it is, hey, I can't get out there. You guys are gonna have to figure it out. I know you guys are capable. I've taught you, you you've learned how to do this. Just get it done. Like I can't come out there. And then that's where growth starts to happen. And then they can get it done. And then it excites them that they can get it done instead of watching you come out, which is almost demoralizing when you're looking at guys that typically the same thing, just get things done. 
you have mm-hmm. to come out and do it for them. It has, it, it's a, it's a huge transformation that starts to happen within your business when you can sit back and accept that and grow into that leader. Yeah, hundred percent. And then your employees get the satisfaction, work satisfaction of, of being the guy that, that gets stuff done, right? Mm-hmm. Cause that's what, that's what they want to do now, right? They want to get stuff done. So you're giving them the rain or the, 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 the slack essentially to allow them to get stuff done. So they could, they're coming home from work thinking, I got this, 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 this done. And they're, del- that's, they're delighted with themselves. It's kind of like the, um, you know, email inbox management, right? I'm sure we've all dealt with this. Let's just say you've got, you've got five things to do today. And you're like, I know that these are five important things to do. And then you go in and you sit down at your, your desk, you got your emails and all of a sudden you start doing stuff that you didn't want to do, responding to stuff that you didn't want to do. And then the five things that you wanted to get done didn't happen. So it's like, stop and do that. Don't open your emails. Get the five things done. The important things that are going to drive your business forward. And then let's have a look at the emails. I love it, man. I love it. Great, great conversation today. It has been absolutely a blast having you on the show. And I thank you for taking the time to be on the show today. Yeah, my absolute pleasure, Ron. So for all the construction champions listening out there, if they wanted to follow you, talk to you, learn more about what you do, what's the best place for them to do that? Or where do they find you? So the you can find, I'm at, uh, if you listen to podcasts, you can uh Google, uh, sorry, Google Podcasts. Um, no, in the podcast, you can Spotify or you can Apple, whatever the right terminology is. You can search uh, uh, Construction Secrets um, or my name, Keen Brennan, C-I-A-N Brennan, um, or on YouTube. And what we have that is quite useful, I think, is on YouTube, there's a playlist on, on the YouTube channel. And on that playlist, there's 16 videos explaining everything that you need to know on how to negotiate your construction contracts. All the big risky items, the big, the big three that are very the, the most important things that you need to be looking at. And so if you want to do it yourself, um, that's the best way to do it. Um, if not, you can go to quantumcontractsolutions.com, check that out. And if we can help you, we will. I do have a question about that because I know some sure. listeners might be, do you help guys? write like their contracts for when they submit bids or do you just review them we we review a contract that you have been given okay let me tell you that's a that's a that's a common question it's a good question but what happens most of the time is if if i have my own contract and you're dealing with a bigger builder you'll submit your your price your proposal which your terms which your terms attached that's typically what happens and then they go, yeah, thanks for that price. Here's our contract with your price on it. That's typically what happens actually in 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 reality. So that's why we chose to do to, to that. If you just a, a regular lawyer could draft a contract for you that puts all of the terms that you want in there, um, but it's more negotiating a contract that you've been given. Awesome. Well, I just that popped into my mind, and I was like, if it popped into my mind, there's a reason I wanted to ask, but. Ian, it was absolutely great. Once again, thank you for being on the show today. My pleasure, Ron. Hopefully again in the future. Yeah, 100%. So Construction Champions, another great episode where we really dove into 
a lot of different things and a lot of fundamental leadership things that we can get wrong in the construction industry, not because we want to get them wrong, just because it's not inherent to who we are as guys that get shit done every day. At some point in time, you just need to get other shit done. So for me, it's exciting to have a conversation like this. I hope it had as much impact for you guys as it did for me. And until next time, be the construction champion you were meant to be. Hey, construction champions. It's your host, Ron Newsbaum here. And I want to talk to you about how you can automate all of your marketing. We've had so many people on here talk about getting the systems in place. Well, we have partnered with Build 12 and Construction Champions podcast. Les O'Hara, the founder. What really excites me is his 30 years in the industry. And now he's built a system to be able to nurture your leads and continue to utilize that. I personally use the system myself. Build 12 is absolutely amazing. There's a lot of value in there. And it's a way to start getting away from Angie's list and all of that kind of stuff and start actually creating your own leads every day and have a system for them. So go on our website check out the show notes, go check out Build 12 and what it can do for the front end of your business today. It's absolutely amazing. I highly recommend going and meeting with Les and his son, Devin, and talking to him about what they built for their own business so the rest of the industry can take benefit from that. Here on Construction Champions, we're all about helping each other out in what is better than contractors helping contractors. I say nothing. So let's go take this to the next level. Go check out Build 12. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me or Les or his son, Devin. We're here to help. We want to continue to grow the industry.